Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Wednesday, September 30th of 2020. We'd like to welcome all our listeners that are tuning in today with us as we study the Word of God together. We're literally one day before the the beginning of the month of uh, October, and uh, these are very uh, particular times that we sense that uh, uh, things are going to be uh, happening and taking place. At least it just seems that's what, what's happening in this hour. But uh, we thank the Lord for the opportunity that we have to bring forth the word of the Lord in this hour. If there was ever a time that we need the word of the Lord, it is now. And and we we are so grateful that we're able to discuss things and and see what God is saying prophetically and see what God is telling us in this day. So I'm excited today about today's study as we're going to continue to to study uh, from the book of Ezekiel. And and as we started our study yesterday, tremendous, as uh, Brother Marty and us in the panel, we spoke on the uh, four abominations. And I believe today we'll start with some of that today. In our panel today, we have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando joining us. And as always, it is a pleasure to be able to study the Word of God together. So let us get into our study today, Brother Marty, as you share what God has placed in your heart today as we study the Word of God together. Amen. Uh, we're looking at the unique uh, insights that were given to the prophet Ezekiel in the captivity. Um, as we talked about yesterday, uh, we explore these historical narratives from the perspective of the parallels and the history lessons that we can learn uh, from a nation uh, back then that, that fell under the judgment of the Lord. There are so many prophetic parallels, so many insights, so many foreshadows of, of the end of time, the last days, which days we are living in, and we believe we're fast approaching the end time. The rise of a, of a global political system in our time is very much like the rise of the Babylonian Empire in the time of the destruction, final destruction of Judah, the capital city, the, the tearing down of the temple and the destroying and judgment that came upon the people that were there. But something unique happened before all that happened. And that was uh, previously uh, approximately uh, about 11 years earlier, a, a group was taken captive, a remnant was removed from the land. And amongst those that were taken all the way to Babylon uh, by Nebuchadnezzar uh, was the prophet Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, uh, the scribes, uh, the gifted, the carpenters, even to the blacksmiths and the masons. But also among them was the prophet Ezekiel. And what we've been looking at is unique to him in that we look at it from the perspective of this is a prophet who is being shown what we are exploring in captivity. He's not like Jeremiah, which is who was still in Jerusalem and who would witness uh, the very destruction of the nation. He's, he's different. He's a prophet from the captivity some 800, 900 miles away. Uh, he, was, he was carried by the Lord in the Spirit to witness some things. It was as if the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, began to reveal to the, to the prophet Ezekiel uh, by what we're exploring in, in chapter 8 of, of, of his prophecies, a series of four different things that 
that finally resulted in God removing his presence from the nation. What's unique as well, as we've talked about already, was that they were living in, in a sense of, of, of a delusional uh, you know, thought process. They that were left behind thought that they were they were incapable of of losing the temple, of losing the capital city, of losing the nation. They were completely deceived and had no idea that these prophecies we're about to look at today and continue looking at uh, are 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 coming to the prophet Ezekiel five years before the ultimate destruction would come. So it's already ongoing. Culture is blinded to the reality. Uh, that they're finding themselves under. There's a complete corruption of every facet of the society, from the ruling uh, political class, the royal houses, uh, the institutions of learning, uh, the the spiritual uh, r- religious elite, uh, and it filtered all the way down to the to the common man, woman, and child on the street. It's incredible. It was a thorough and absolute. Um, saturated culture uh, that was left and was only, you know, 60 months away uh, from its ultimate destruction. And it's in this climate that suddenly the Lord takes Ezekiel and brings him to Jerusalem in the spirit. And so we began yesterday in Ezekiel chapter 8, and we looked at the very first thing that, that he was shown as as what he saw was called the seat of the image of jealousy and where it was located in the northern part, and then an additional idol that was placed just at the gate of the entering where the altar of the Lord was, where the sacrifices of the lamb were made. There was an image there, uh, a feminine image. Uh, the goddess Astarte, Ashtaroth, Diana, Venus, whatever you want to call her. She's known by many names. They had brought her into the temple and set her right by the brazen altar. That was the abomination, the very first one that he drew his attention to, because this is something that had seeped into the entirety of the house of Israel. Today, we're going to look at the second thing that he was shown. And so if you have your Bibles, we encourage you to open them, please, to Ezekiel chapter 8, as we continue to explore the four abominations uh, in, in the temple of God. Now, uh, Brother Jeremy, if you have your, your Bible there, would you begin to read to us, please, from Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 6 uh, through 8, as we begin our discussion today. We ask the Lord's blessing in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy. Amen. He said, Furthermore unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here? that I shall go far off from my sanctuary? But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. Incredible. He brought me to the door of the court. He says, and when I looked in verse 7, behold, a hole in the wall. That's what we're going to focus on today is the hole in the wall. <laughs> uh, 
in yesterday's podcast, we began to explore the, the four abominations as we, we talked about, and the evidence uh, that was going to be shown to the prophet Ezekiel of the utter corruption of the nation, uh, the spiritual leadership, and uh, the political leadership. And as we discussed, uh, the first egregious thing that Ezekiel saw uh, was the seat of the image of jealousy, followed by the image of jealousy itself, the idol itself, in the entry of the gate that leads to the altar. We talked about um, the time frame. Could you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in verse 1, chapter 8, verse 1? Yes. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. So he identifies the time of the year, and as we talked about that, it's the sixth month of the sixth year. The sixth year that we're talking about here is the sixth year from the time that the original captivity took place. As we talked about, Jehoiakim's rule, which lasted 11 years, ended in him being uh, assassinated on and captured and assassinated on the road uh, that he was being taken back to Babylon, but they killed him. And so it was six years uh, after he died, his, his son Jeconiah took the throne. He ruled for about three months. Jeconiah and the queen and the captivity occurred three months later. So it was from that point that they began to count. So when Ezekiel identifies it as the sixth year, he's actually referring to the original captivity. It was six years before. And when God breaks in now after six years, uh, they've settled into Babylon. They've been there for six years. The elders are gathered around Judah. And he says it's now the sixth month of the year. And as we talked about yesterday, that sixth month is very uh, important because it is the month in the Hebrew calendar of Elul. It is the month that was designated in the religious calendar of the, of the Jewish people uh, where they would take the entire month and begin to reflect uh, upon the coming year. Uh, the, the religious calendar is seven months long uh, that culminates with the Feast of, of Tabernacles. So that, that sixth month, they're supposed to, as a people, uh, uh, to begin to prepare themselves uh, for what is known as Rosh Hashanah, and then the 10 days of awe, followed by the day of judgment or the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. And and so this is what what they're supposed to be doing, is beginning to clean their act up, really, and get ready uh, to go into the 10 days of awe, which is an intense personal uh, inventory of one's soul and spirit and a reflection on their conduct, their sins, their mishaps, their misdeeds, whatever it was that they've done that they felt needed to be reconciled before God, that 10 days would be set aside for it. And it would culminate with the high priest going into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, the Day of Judgment, the Yom Kippur, as they call it, where he would offer a single drop of blood upon the mercy seat and the glory of God would appear over it as a testimony that he had indeed uh, wiped away their sins from the previous year, and and then they go right into the Feast of Ingathering, where the nation gathers and celebrates the joy of being forgiven, the thankfulness for the harvest that they've had, and looking forward to the next year. Well, that was supposed to be the climate. But here they find themselves in captivity, and what's in, 
what's also important to note is it's the sixth year. So he's, we're really a little bit past the halfway point of of the final, uh, you know, uh, of the time of where they would ultimately experience judgment. And so the vision comes to them in the captivity, which is incredibly important, which we'll discuss in a, in a, in a minute here. But, but again, uh, it's important to note when the vision came. It was supposed to be a time of reflection, a time of seeking God's mercy and God's forgiveness. So there should have been an attitude of of you know of seeking god and 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 being cleansed and 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 the like um within the nation of Jeru- uh, of israel of judah and, and and back in jerusalem and in the temple in particular but instead of this uh ezekiel is about to be taken which we looked at yesterday from where he's at in the spirit and 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 he's about to be shown the actual opposite of what they should be doing and just how far they had declined and to where they had come to even after the captivity. And so verse three says what brother Jeremy, could you read that to us one more time? Verse three. And he put forth the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my head and the spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looketh towards the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoked to jealousy. So this is pretty incredible. Again, like we talked about yesterday, and just for a review today, uh, what Ezekiel is describing here, uh, where it says he took me by a lock of my head, uh, it, it, it in the original Hebrew and, and, and the commentaries I've read, what, what they say is happening here is that is that the very soul and spirit of uh, of Ezekiel was removed from his physical being. So while his body was in front of the elders in his house, he literally left his body uh, behind. And this was the hand of the Lord that then carries him in the wind of the spirit and brings him to Jerusalem. And as we discussed yesterday, uh, it's very interesting how the Lord points it out here and has the prophet record it because he says uh, the spirit lifted me up between the heaven and the earth and he brings me in the visions of God that's what he said the visions of God and so what several things are being revealed here but the the phrase the visions of God um, what what that's implying is that it, or how we should look at it is what and what Ezekiel's trying to communicate by the Holy Spirit is God was getting ready to show him what God sees, <laughs> you know, what God sees and what God knows is going on. So when he talks about the visions of God, he's literally saying it in in our language. I, I was able to see what God sees. God was showing me what what was really going on. So he's carried in almost through the eyes of the Lord. And the fact that he's lifted between the heaven and the earth, we talked about that yesterday, it's an indication uh, of of why what he's about to be shown is so egregious. Because the sins that he's about to have revealed to him have now transcended from just being, you know, sins or sins, man. I mean, but, you know, but, but more than just earthbound fleshly sins, the persistent and and determined uh, pursuit of the very things that had overtaken them 
in a sensual and sinful and even an occultic nature, which we're about to see, was so intense in its rebellious quality that it it literally pierced the veil of the natural and 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 was lifted up into the realm of principality and power. And that's where Ezekiel was taken in the spirit, between the heaven, between heaven and the earth, in the realm of principality and power, because that is where the activity was now being heightened, uh, excited, if you will. There's, there's a troubling of the waters in that realm. And that is why it's revealed to us that way. And, and it's interesting because it, 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 it's uh, it's in between heaven and earth, and where the wind takes him is directly to the sides of the north, in the in the temple complex itself, and there is a is an ancient seat, not the image itself, but the platform where they had originally had the image. We talked about this yesterday. That image is where uh, Manasseh, the king, uh, about a hundred years before, had set up an image of of incredible blasphemy in the very house of God. And the strategic place where it was located, we discussed yesterday, is at the northern entrance. And the reason that that's significant, as we, we encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast, is the north is the direction of heaven itself. And we discussed briefly the symbolism of that. And Brother Fernando, you pointed out something very, uh, you know, very significant yesterday when you talked about whether or not they understood what they were doing. You talked about the energy of, of, of Satan himself that was flowing through them and causing them to do things, whether they understood it in its fullness or not. He was expressing himself uh, through the collective backslidden congregation of the house of Judah at the time. Uh, right. right. I mean, how did you say it yesterday? You want to elaborate just a little there? Yeah, no, you, you said it right. That's exactly what I was trying to imply. They gave themselves over, and again, this doesn't happen, but 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 that the people collectively, starting from the top, from the spiritual leadership, uh, give themselves over to this, to this kind of uh, um, I don't know, this working of 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 the devil through them. You know, and, and they're manifesting the very rebellion in the temple, which is really manifesting in their own hearts, in the secret chambers of their hearts. But they're manifesting the very rebellion and acts of rebellion that took place in heaven before mm -hmm. the world was created, before man was created on earth. Yes. Which, which, yes. Is, which is an incredible thought, right? Uh, and that's really how the spirit, the spirit realm works, right? Everything, you know, Jesus prayed. He says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Two wills are going yeah. to be performed in the earth. Now, what we give ourselves over to is what will yeah. manifest. So, so the nation collectively, starting from the leadership of Israel, uh, whether they realize it or not, um, they gave themselves over to the spirit of the devil, and once yes. that took place, then uh, the rebellion of Satan began to manifest itself on the earth through them. Precisely. Yes. Amen. That, that, you know, that's a really, really uh, heavy thought, man. You know, yeah. for lack of a better way to say it. Um, right. 
you know, when you and can, again, now you we're look, not we're not out, we're not off base here, brother, in, in, in what we're talking about. I mean, just right. take it to to very practical things, uh, uh, you know, between in, in our own lives, you know, the flesh and the spirit. You know, uh, Paul used the war, the word war. I see a law warring against my members. Mm, you know, yeah. why would he use that that word? Because that's exactly what's taking place. It's it's a war that's manifesting itself in all aspects of creation. Right? And that's yeah, and it's manifesting ourselves in our own bodies daily. This this eternal war, this this rebellion. That's why the flesh is. It's enmity against God, right? It, 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 it opposes the things of the spirit and so forth and so on. So it's, it's, it's a very practical principle in scripture, but now we're talking at a much higher level that the untrained eye cannot see unless it's yeah. revealed by the Holy Spirit of what was taking place here in, in, within the temple walls. That's really good. And, uh Yeah. You made me think of so many things in my mind is just you know, thinking of a lot of different things the way you were talking there. Um, both the practical, as you were saying, because we are miniature types of the temple of God, right? This is right. a scary thought. I mean, this is this is a scary thing you just said there. It, it makes me shudder, you know, uh, because we're meant to be a reflection of that temple. Uh, and, and we're meant to be ruled and dominated by the spirit of God within our own spirit, right? Um, and and and, and so a tree is known by its fruit. And 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 the question is, will you be ruled and governed by by the Holy Spirit, or will you be ruled and governed by your flesh? That's the war you're talking about in a more practical basis there. But it but each and every single one of us are a miniature. And again, this is frightening. The, the depth to which you've ever meditated on these kinds of things and consider them. You know, it causes it should cause you to like Paul said, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling, right? <laughs> because because our God is an all-consuming fire, right? And and I know that's not the picture that's presented to us in the modern church. You know, you know, Jesus is our buddy. You know, he's our Uber driver. I mean, whatever you want to call it, he's our. You know, God's the old Santa Claus in the sky, and and everything's about me, myself, and I. I mean. But to talk at the level that we're talking about right now elevates our thinking into the places of the profound and incredibly uh, the largeness of it all. The, 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 you know, the, the philosophical questions of, the, of, you know, why is there existence? What is going on? Who am I? What am I? Why am I? All of that is wrapped up in what you were just talking about. And in this case, when you mentioned, you know, talking at a higher level, um, it is. It's a higher level of understanding, and 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 the accountability that 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 comes as a result of even being able to to ponder such things is uh, is very sobering to say the least. And and what's taking place here, uh, the Lord taking His prophet to to this level. Uh, it's interesting to me that He had to remove him from His flesh in order for Him to fully see it. You know, and that and that, that that's what He did. He took him by a lock of his head and, and removed him from his physical body and carried him in the wind of the spirit. It's interesting also <laughs> that he says that where the seat of the image of jealousy was in verse three uh, is verse four. What's there, Brother Jeremy? What's in verse four? In verse four, and behold, the glory 
of the God of Israel was there, according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Now, this is a very interesting thing, and, and I know we're headed to the second part of this, but 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 this is leading to this. And so what what appears to be being revealed here uh, by the Spirit of the Lord is, is what, because what we're going to read in, in chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11 as we go along is the systematic removal of the presence of God from, from his very temple. And it's not something that he initiated. It is something that he uh, cannot abide. And as we go on into the vision of Ezekiel, he begins to describe, like he says here, the glory of the God of the God of Israel that he's seeing is the same glory that he saw in its fullness in chapter one, when he describes God as coming out of the north. You know, uh, this fire enfolding another, uh, you know, a flame in the middle of a flame. Yeah, read that, brother Jeremy. So. Those of those those of you just joined us will know what we're talking about. In Ezekiel chapter one, when he sees God, he sees him what verse is that? Uh, read verse four, would you, brother? Yes. For verse three and four. And that, chapter one, three and four. Three, three and four. The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Shebar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. So this is how he sees God. It's the glory of the Lord that's coming. That's how he sees him, out of the north. And so when he's taken in this chapter 8 vision, uh, he says that the glory of the Lord was was right at the gate of the north, right next to uh, how he sees it is is in the temple. And, and in this particular instance, he sees the glory of God was there in that temple. And he, he starts uh, revealing that. Uh, <laughs> well, think about what we're saying here or what Ezekiel's revealing. Because when he first sees the glory of the Lord... It's not in a temple anywhere, but it's coming from the north. It's coming out of heaven toward him. And so like you were saying, Brother Fernando, uh, you know, <laughs> the temple of Solomon was was a, a, a masterpiece of architecture, but yet it was a miniature. It was uh, it was it was to scale uh, uh, of the temple or a replica or an attempt at replicating what is actually in heaven itself. And so when he sees the glory of God at the northern gate, again, this requires understanding, but or, or, or you know, in the way that we that we meditate on it, but it's it's reflective, it's meant to be metaphoric, it's meant to be an allegory, it's meant to be symbolic, all of it wrapped up in one. But what what I'm trying to get to here is what is now being revealed by drawing our attention to the glory of the Lord. Is is and as we go on in chapter nine and ten and eleven, what you're going to see is it's it's the glory that God is after. It's a glory that's been present there. It's almost as if it's a part of God, which He deposited in the temple, and He's coming to get it back. 
<laughs> uh, take a look at this in, in First Kings. I want to show. Remember, it's the glory of the Lord. Go over to First Kings, brother Jeremy, would you? So you can understand what what I believe the Lord is saying to us here and revealing to us in First Kings chapter eight. Let's take a look here. Uh, verse 10 and 11. Can you read that to us? This is the yes. dedication of, of the temple. This is when it all started hundreds of years before, right? And and this is when the glory comes. Look at verse uh, 10 and 11. And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. So now fast forward hundreds of years into this time uh, from the dedication of the temple. What we just what you just read to us uh, is so fascinating if you think about it. Because it's described as the glory of the Lord. Isaiah saw the same thing in verse in chapter six, right? Let's take a look at chapter six of Isaiah. Chapter 6 of Isaiah, Brother Jeremy. And uh, let's see. And let's see. In the US, uh, okay, uh, verse 6, uh, ch- I mean, chapter 6, verse 1. Can you read that? In the year that King Uzziah, Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple that that train uh, another word for it is glory or the glory of the lord and then also in verse uh 3 what the what the what the angels say can you read verse 3 and one cried unto another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory so there we have the glory again. And then let's just look at the New Testament in Luke chapter 2, I think it is, uh, when Simeon picks up the Lord Jesus Christ in his arms as a child in the ceremony. Let's see what verse that is. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. Read, would you, it's when he uh, picks up the, Yeah, 32? read 30, uh, read 29 through 32. Okay. Lord now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. All right, so let's go back to, 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 to chapter 8 here. So we see the glory of God uh it, it is is his essence his presence but it's also representative of all three of them the father the son and the holy spirit it's why he's identified as the it's the glory of god uh, but what's interesting to me is that you cannot confine god to to a temple and what we read in first kings chapter 8 was that when solomon after seven years of constructing the temple dedicates the temple and, and consecrates it and sanctifies it for the worship of the Lord, that's when the glory appeared in that temple where Ezekiel is now seeing all these terrible things that are occurring there. 
so what is, appears to be being uh, revealed here in chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11, we encourage you, uh, uh, those of you that are listening to read through those chapters, it's, it's incredibly fascinating, is that the glory of the Lord, which originally came in chapter 8 of 1 Kings, had abided there for centuries. And I want, I want to I want to just think about that for a second. It's it's almost and I don't I I really don't even know how else to describe it. Maybe you guys have a better way of saying it, but it's like God took a piece of Himself. You know, if that's even the right way to say it. I mean, because you know, there's no breaches in His own being, but it's as if He took a, a quality of Himself, uh, a measure of Himself. Uh, represented by his glory, by by the smoke that filled the house, the glory, the brightness of his glory, which used to appear over the mercy seat during the Day of Atonement. It would happen once a year. He would manifest himself. He was always there, uh, but you know, but he would only show up or allow them to see. The high priest would be allowed to see him in the Holy of Holies when they would offer the blood once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And it was said that the, the glory of the Lord would shine over the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. But his glory literally filled the temple, and his glory filled the whole earth, which is what the angels say. But, but check this out. You know, when you think of the glory of God, you know, the astronauts who go up into space, uh, or even the pilots who go up above 100,000 feet in, 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 the, in the rare jets that can reach those levels, they talk about something called uh, the thin blue line. You ever heard that phrase? Or if you look down uh, from the space station, you know, on the live uh, feed from NASA, they have a NASA channel on TV that I like to watch because it's, it's just a live feed of the Earth. And the Earth itself is bright and it's illuminated. And, and there's a there's a thin, like, beautiful ribbon of blue a thin blue line is how the pilots describe it the astronauts describe it the brightness of the earth it, it, it's a living beautiful jewel set in the backdrop of a of an ocean of of, of black and it and it glows and the angels were declaring that to isaiah calling that saying that's the glory of god and so when 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 we get into the temple here at the north gate, which is symbolic of the entryway into heaven, uh, but in the temple, he sees in chapter 8, verse 4, the glory of God. And so like we said, chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11 uh, is, 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 is revealing to us, it's almost as if God is coming back, and, and what he's coming after is the glory that he left there. <laughs> it's like he's coming to take it back. That's what he did. Read verse 6, Brother Jeremy. What did he say their behavior would do? He said, um, He said, Furthermore, unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abomination that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. So what he says is that I should go far off from my sanctuary. Well, we know where he, he's not in there. He's in heaven. But it's, 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 it's his glory that he left behind for them. And, and when you go and begin to read, uh, by the time they finally uh, 
you know they 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 finally come uh it's it's God himself with the with the with the cherubim and the seraphim and uh they they they've come to the earth this is what he's showing Ezekiel and they're coming specifically to escort the glory that he left there from the original dedication of, of Solomon's temple and they're going to escort it out of the house of God and they're going to bring it all the way to the mount of olives from where it will be caught up back into heaven and the and the nation itself will now just be days away uh, from its destruction. This, this is, is fascinating. Go ahead, brother. No, it, it reminds me of, of, of John 1, 1, uh, you know, where it says that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And Jesus would ascend back up, right, from the Mount Olives. Yes. And we would see that the, the destruction would come of the temple in AD 70. Mhm. That's really good. So, That's right. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think also of uh, since you mentioned that the destruction of the temple and and the removing of the presence of God when he went up uh, on the Mount of Olives um after uh, 40 days after the resurrection, right? On the 50th day, the Holy Spirit would come. But the angels cry the whole earth is full of his glory. It's the final thing that's going to be happen. When the Lord returns, it's going to be to remove his glory, not just from uh, a temple in Jerusalem, but the entire planet. And his glory is now residing in his true children. He's coming to rescue his church. And, and what we're seeing here in this temple is a miniature expression, truly historically accurate, but a miniature prophetic expression of the condition of the entire planet before the rapture of the church. <laughs> wow. I know I sound like I sound like a nut right now. I mean it's true though. That's what we're seeing. Brother Fernando is talking about thinking at a higher level here, right? Well that's where we're at. That's what we're seeing. So <laughs> any thoughts on that? <laughs> All right, so I want to talk to you real quick about this. So then what happens? You know, he sees the glory of God there, and then verse 5 happens. Tell me about verse 5, Brother Jeremy. I'll throw this in, brother, in regards to everything you, you said. Um, yes, please uh, do. I guess the, the, the Bible word for, uh, you know, that, that, that God uses or the Lord uses, the Holy Spirit uses in regards to the Lord giving a, a piece of himself uh, or, or, or something of himself, leaving it for us, the glory of God. Uh, it's called the ex, the ex, an expression, the express image mm. of God, an mm -hmm. expression of himself. He, he can only give us an expression of himself. Yeah. No man can see God. Jesus mm -hmm. was called the express image of the Father. Yes. He was taken up as well. Right? Yes. So, mm -hmm. so we see the pattern. We see the pattern of the Lord coming for His glory to take it up, to remove it from from the temple. We see uh, Jesus being the express image of God, very glory of God. He's taken up, and then He's going to do the same with His children, because we right. we are. Remember, when we were created, we were supposed to be that. Let us make man in our image, the express image mm -hmm. of God, right? Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and 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 he's done that through through his son. He's he's 
He's brought back a children, a people unto himself who hold the, who, who contain the very glory of God. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's yeah. coming to get that glory back in the coming of the Lord. Right. So it's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful pattern that you're bringing forth that does no violence to scripture. If we, like you said, if we think at this level spiritually. Yes. Can you read that to us, Brother Fernando, if you have your Bible or Brother Jeremy, whichever one that could get there, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, and, and read what Brother Fernando was saying, verse 1 through 3. It's really amazing. Because it, it's exactly what Brother Fernando was talking about. <clears throat> it says, uh, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and Mm -hmm. the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Praise God. So that's what Brother Fernando was saying, right? That that the glory of God, uh, it, that Jesus is described as being the brightness of the glory, right, of the Father. Incredible. Jada, talk a little bit about that again, Brother Fernando. You were talking about the express image. You were talking about... Um, you know, the intent, let us make man in our image, right? Uh, right. Uh, becoming a repository of the glory, uh, that which is his right. Holy Spirit in us, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, that, and, that, and that's what he's doing. He, he, he's, he's, he's always tried to express himself to his creation and through his mm-hmm. creation. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and and that's, that's, that's what we see symbolically or in type and shadow and what he did in the tabernacle in mm-hmm. in the temple where he deposits his glory in there which speaks mm-hmm. of something spiritual and we yeah. bring, if we bring it a new testament he, he he's really speaking of of the body of christ the church yeah right if we can mm-hmm. see it so everything everything that takes place in the temple is going to take place in us, and it's taking place in us. But at the same time, we have to be careful that what took place in Ezekiel's day is avoided, right? <laughs> so it, it's, a, it's a foreshadow and a forewarning of what will take place yes. in type and shadow, which is a falling away. Yes. In the body and, I think that's what, and I think that's what we're yeah. seeing. And in a second here, we'll talk about something that, you know, just for our discussion points, but but again, uh, here we see uh, the glory being removed from the house, right? But it's not being removed by the initiation of God. It it it, it is a climate that was created by the backslidden, starting with the leadership over centuries and decades, and then finally a few years before the destruction came, it just got worse and worse and worse. So the removing of the glory of yeah. God from the Mount of Olives was the Father, right? And then, like Brother Jeremy pointed out, uh, the removing of the Son from the Mount of Olives, right? Is, is, who is the brightness of his glory, the image, the expressive and the brightness of his glory. And then the third 
final removing of the glory of God from the earth will be the church himself, right? Yes. And read that, brother. Do you have your, uh, over there in Romans chapter 8, I think, the Apostle Paul said something like that concerning the glory. Yes. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, I think it is. <clears throat> mm-hmm. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Mm-hmm. It's going to be revealed, right? In other words, yes. uh, we're going to know who the real children of God are. Like the Shekinah glory in the Holy of Holies was revealed by the blood once a year, right? His glory was revealed. Like the yes. Lord Jesus Christ, right, who showed his, who who was allowed to show his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Who was who yes. his glory was was revealed, like you just read in in John chapter one, right? Uh, we we beheld his glory, um, and then when he was taken up into heaven in the in the glory of the Lord, uh, it was revealed. And then in the end, as we come to this, now let's take this a little deeper. Because if indeed this history we're looking at is a foreshadow of the end of time, which I believe it is, because the components are there. You have a global system represented by the Babylonian Empire. You have a a megalomania, you know, dictator of the world represented by Nebuchadnezzar. And you have a compromised and completely overrun church which is the last thing remaining holding back the full expression of nebuchadnezzar and his empire until they reach the point where they themselves by their behavior cause the glory to be removed from the temple and that is precisely what we're told will happen in the end of time according to the book of revelation that a a global system will rise a a, a global dictator will emerge, assisted by other things which we won't go into right now. But it, it's coupled with a false, absolutely corrupted spirituality. And remaining within this, this, this theme that the book of Revelation talks about, which we can see in type and measure in the captivity, is a group of people that have been set aside by God. And that they okay. themselves... Uh, will have the glory revealed in them when he comes to retrieve us unto himself, right? That's why Paul said, look, I'm going to show you a mystery here. <laughs> you know, uh, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And and we will be caught up to meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Lord told us that in John 14, right? I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, uh, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you unto myself. I will remove you before the ultimate destruction will come. And 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 this is what Ezekiel is seeing. He's not only seeing the conditions of his day, he's seeing the end of the world, if you can receive it. Can I interject something there, Brother Marty? Yeah, absolutely. I think it should fit with what we're talking about. And what I call is the the sin, not just of the times of Ezekiel, but of the church today, is something that uh, the Apostle Paul told us in chapter 1 of Romans when he spoke about 
how they became vain in their imaginations, foolish heart was darkened. But look what he says. And they changed the glory huh. of the uncorruptible God into an mm-hmm. image. We're talking about the image of jealousy. Into an right. image made like to corruptible man, to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. That's the yes. sin. They change the glory, right? Yes. Of uh, in, in, of the uncorruptible God into corruptible things. That's the sin of the modern-day church today. That's the sin in in the book that we see in the times of Ezekiel when God gives them an insight how they so had corrupted the holy things of God. Specifically, that's why he has to pull, like you said, his glory away. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I think I think no, that's, that's the, really uh, good because that's that's exactly right. And and now let's go back and take a look with all that, that you you said there, and we've been discussing. It brings a full under fuller understanding and a fuller picture of what it is that he first sees, and and what is actually being communicated. And why we say it that way is because these are foreshadows for our time. And not only that, we take it and extrapolate it a little further out there and say that it has come to this final expression of Western civilization and where history has come to, that the church in the United States of America was the last best hope for the gospel going throughout the world as it's worked its way through history. And it is why we are seeing such compromise. It's also why we are seeing such ferocity directed at our country right now with the intent of bringing it down because it's the only thing that is standing in the way from the complete overrun of the planet by the predicted global empire uh, related to us in the book of Revelation chapter 13. Just as Judah, the capital city, Jerusalem, and the and the temple structure itself, the last remaining bastion of of the one true spirituality, the, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, where He was worshipped, that had to be removed before the the political, uh, spiritual, and military empire of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian uh, empire of that time uh, could be fully entrenched and take over the whole world, and and so. It, it could not happen until the 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 light and the place and the seat of of the worship of the one true God would become either either corrupted uh, by its own people because it could never be destroyed by by any outside force. It could never have been brought down by any outside force as long as the glory abo- uh, abided there. Anything that happened to them in way of, of a calamity or something, was God himself trying to correct them. But when they failed to yield, even in the face of a captivity, and continued to persist and not recognize their signs, as Asaph would write, right, <laughs> in chapter 74 of the book of Psalms, we don't see our signs, he had to remove his glory. It was the only thing that kept them from being destroyed fully and completely. And once the glory was was gone, the wrath is poured out. That is precisely the pattern that is revealed in in the prophecies of the end of the world. Now I want to talk to you about this before we and we're gonna we're gonna go quickly now. The image in verse five, right? Then said in chapter eight, verse five, then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up your eyes now 
uh, the way toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. To remember what this image was, was Inanna. It's Ashtaroth, Isis, Venus, Diana, Columbia, whatever you want to call her. That She's got many names down, Semiramis from the beginning of Nimrod and all that. She's made her way down through the ages. She's the image of the feminine. And, and she's been placed there exactly at the entry point that leads to the altar, which is a symbol of the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm talking to you about end-time things because we have to look for the same pattern in order to be alerted to the times and the seasons that we're living in. See, in their day, the image of the feminine, but not just the feminine, but the the idolatrous feminine uh, in the form of Inanna or, or Ashtaroth or Astarte. You can do your own studies on these and what they represented. They're all the same being. They're all the same spirit. But remember, the, the women were not allowed access into these parts of the temple. So what we are seeing here is it is the men who have allowed this feminine, sensual, and I'm not just talking about sexual things, because even though there's a component of that there, we're talking about the, if you can see it now, the yielding of the headship in the spirit to the same thing uh, and repetitive spiritual sin that occurred in the Garden of Eden so many years before. Adam, if you remember, acquiesced his position as the head, the protection, and the covering of the woman and yielded his will to hers at the tree, near the tree of life. Remember, because the two trees were set in the midst of the garden. So you're seeing the same sin replayed here, this image of the feminine right at the entry point where the cross should be, a symbol of the, of the cross, the altar where the lamb was offered. And what this really speaks of, brothers, is the, uh, I wrote it this way this morning, it speaks of the feminization of the priesthood. <laughs> wow. And, and it, it, it also reveals the spirit of sensuality that began to grip them. The two go right. hand in hand. And more than, uh, uh, than just a thing, you know, like a, a sexual sin or, you know, some kind of thing that that, that you know, the, the temptations of the flesh. We're not talking about that here. We're talking about a spiritual component that 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 removes, if you will, the 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 hat of authority and and places it on a feminine spirit. It it had become a symbol of the seduction and the compromise of the priesthood and the dual natures competing for the soul, right at the point of the cross, the altar. And they were ministering with that going on. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna really make a lot of people mad at what I'm about to say, but but what we have seen in the rise of the Beth Moores and the uh, <laughs> and I'm already in trouble and the uh, well, I don't know what the other woman's name is. Uh, what's it? Myers, Joyce Myers, all the Jacobs. The, the, Jacob, Jacob. Yeah, please. Uh, don't get me started on that woman. Cindy Jacob. Go down the list, man. These women 
and the rise of the female ministry in our time. It, it, it has been allowed to occur by the male leadership. Now, what Brother Fernando said earlier in that, do we understand what we're actually seeing and what we're actually doing? No way. But we are seeing a repeat of the same thing. The, uh, the, the acquiescence of, of spiritual leadership as defined by the scriptures. Now, you're going to get mad at me. You're going to get mad at the Bible. Because the Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife, that Christ is the head of the man, and, and the father is the head of Christ. There is a hierarchy, and there is an established order the way things are supposed to be done, not only in the family, but in the house of God. And, and what we are being shown here, the first thing God draws his attention to is notice the, the stepping aside of the authority of the priesthood and and the and the bringing of the image of the feminine and sensual all the way up to where it is now planted right directly at the access point to the to what represents the gospel of Jesus Christ it's the first piece of the puzzle it's the first uh you know uh, docket that's laid out on the desk of the judge and presented to the prophet Ezekiel and says here's the first thing here's the first thing this is this is this is this is the first thing they're out of order and they're being completely compromised by this spirit anybody want to rescue me so i'm not the only one who gets in trouble for saying those things oh <laughs> thanks well, brother you take that bullet right no, there. No. you're right you're right <laughs> i mean i mean look at this brothers i mean we we complain about this feminist movement right Right. We complain about all the the lack of order within the church as as women have become now you know uh, uh, they, uh, in leadership and so forth, but we we fail to look that it's our fault we have allowed it because we have not been as men right yeah. been doing and and walking according to the order of God in many ways right. Yeah. And, and and that's what we see. They allowed and, and it's out of order. You're right. It is out there's an order of God. Mm-hmm. And it and not all, it's not only in the church, but it goes in the world to look at the feminist movement, right? Right. <laughs> it's just gone out of control. You know, and so uh yeah, you're right, Brother Marty. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Well, thanks for helping me out, brothers. I appreciate that. So, <laughs> so that brings us to. Oh, I just want to talk about this, and and, and we we'll get to the to the men here in a second. But uh, I want you to consider this. From this point, again, there's five years to go. Is it possible uh, that the captivity? I'm talking in terms, if you have ears to hear, of our condition today. Is it possible that the captivity that they experienced was in actuality, which we now know is true, as we've been discussing over the last several weeks, was in in, in effect really the rescue of a remnant? And, and because that remnant were going to be the seeds by which 70 years later in their times uh, would return and build a new Jerusalem. But the remnant was rescued. And we need to understand that what's being revealed now 
is 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 a prophet Ezekiel in the captivity is being given an understanding of what just lies ahead and what actually really happened to them. It gives way, understand, the removing of them gave way to a fuller and complete overrun of the entire system by the compromised. They took over after the captivity was gone. After the the quality aspect of who they were was removed from the scene, they took over with the attitude everything was now going to be theirs. Look at read read Ezekiel chapter eleven, verse fifteen, Brother Jim, and then we'll talk about this for a second. It says Son of man, thy brethren, even thy brethren, the men of thy kindred and all the house of Israel holy, are they unto whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Get you far from the Lord. Unto us is this land given in possession. <laughs> so what they were literally saying was you captivity, you know, you get out of our face now because we're taking over and this land belongs to us. What was left behind was 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 a fully corrupt priesthood, fully corrupt ancients and and the 25 corrupt political leaderships and the women, the feminist spirit all in control and the flooding of the house of God with that very same attitude. And they claimed that they had a right to it. I'm going to throw this out there. I think, and I'm not saying I know what else, what's going on here, and, I, and I've gotten way ahead of myself, but I'm just going to throw this in right here. I think that this whole COVID thing that's, that, that, that kicked everything off, and really what we've been witnessing transpire over the last several years, really, but, but the COVID thing specifically uh, drew a line in the sand and began to separate um, the remnant in this country from the false. And it's quite possible that God is rescuing his people. And I'm talking really spiritually now, if you have ears to hear. And and that that the prophetic insight of what's actually taking place, like it was given to Ezekiel, is being given to his servants right now. Those of you uh, and and those that are out there. Uh, that you sense in your heart, this is there's something deeper that's taking place here. The fact that we find ourselves in the midst of a presidential election, what is being determined and what is being proclaimed is that they want the captivity, if you will, to be far away from anything now. And they want to say that the land is given to them for their possession. And if the pattern holds true and they do indeed take control, then what remains will, and what you will begin to see is an even greater onslaught and greater flood of what we have seen overtake the house of God over the last 20, 30, 40 years up until our present day. There is a removing of his people, if you can see it. If you can be comfortable going back to your churches that, that you haven't been able to go to for a while right now, 
and 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 if you've been shut away with God during this time and he's been speaking to you and you go back to the pablum and and <laughs> and the watered down gospel that you had before all this if it ever comes to that and it will cuz they're going to open up but when they open up again it will be under completely different leadership it'll be it'll be the floodgates opened <laughs> and there will be an absolute overrun of the established visible public spiritual leadership from the top down. That's what happened. That's what happened to them. That's what happened uh, to Ezekiel and why he was taken from the position of being captive and lifted into the spirit and had revealed to him what was yet to come and what the actual situation was all about and why it had to be shut down. And why they had to be removed from that whole system, that whole place. Some of you are in hiding right now. <laughs> you just don't know it. Yeah, we do. We just don't get it yet. But I think that's quite possibly what's, what's happening, man. So that's just me. I'm not saying that's the Lord. I mean, that's just kind of like my assessment based on the things we've been studying. I think it's quite possible that's what's happening. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, just, just you know, party, <laughs> no, it's um, we, we already know what the leftists right think and taking yeah. over this country, but I think the greater danger is from the from the right because it's involving many Christians are getting into this battle, you know, fighting for their freedom and we shall not be captive and we're taking our country back, and right. I see a parallel what we just read today in in. Right now in Ezekiel eleven fifteen, what you just had us had me read, we're staying away with captivity, right? Uh, this land belongs to us, and that's yeah. the danger where many Christians Christians are are falling into that trap, that political trap, and as if you're being forced to choose, right? You're either yeah. you're either conservative or you're not. You're either yeah, you know, we're going to fight for our freedom, for our rights, and, and we are missing what God is doing through this pandemic and where we're heading in, in, in the captivity that we're, we're probably already in it already, you know, but where we're heading, uh, you know, the captivity is coming upon this, not just this nation, but this whole world. So mm-hmm. I see it, and, you know, and a lot of Christians are falling into the trap of, of choosing sides and getting this attitude, you know, we're not going to be captive. We're going to have another four years of glory and, and peace and mercy and grace. Well, that's that's very dangerous. You're not seeing what God is saying. Mm-hmm. You know that it's how God, There's a, as we've been saying, a separation is coming, a divide. You know, and we, we kind of, we, we spoke about these things too when we spoke, remember, when we were in the, the story of Lazarus. Yeah. Of after his resurrection, a new, you mentioned it, a new church. We see Judah, and we see now connected with the political movement, right? An apostate yeah. church, you know, and we saw the, the other one, the, the, the church of Simon the leper, Lazarus, Martha, Mary, you know, of a yeah. remnant. So, you know, God has been speaking to us, and we have been warning for a while now. Yeah, very good. And uh, that's exactly where we're at, I believe. And and it's already begun. 
and 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 I think we're going to see an extended uh, period of this, but it's going to eventually give way to what we just said. Like you said too, Brother Jeremy, it was a very good point. You know, the, the, the entering into the whole political process. I know that flies in the face of of, of evangelicalism today. Uh, but look at the attitude they had there in 1115. They said, you know, you 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 go far from here. Uh, this land is given is given to us. You know, it, it, we see the contention even now between Christian with Christian. If we suggest <laughs> that mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't wrap himself in the American flag and wear a MAGA hat, we get persecuted by Christians. <laughs> you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, this land belongs to us. Well, okay, whatever, man. But we're looking for, for a king, right? Uh, we're looking for a kingdom that has foundations, man. And there are times, like, well, what do you say? We shouldn't participate in all this. Stuff. Hey, that's between you and God, man. I'm just saying that there comes time throughout the course of history where the inevitable has begun. And that's a hard pill for people to swallow. That's what God was showing Ezekiel. You come back. When when he goes back into his body at the end of chapter 11, he has to tell them everything that he saw. And the hopes that they had had to a return to normal, to a, to, to, to a, to a release from captivity, they had to know it ain't going to happen. As a matter of fact, they're just months away from the ultimate, which is, you know, we don't even want to imagine what's coming. But 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 it's here, and and those that have ears to hear can hear. And I want to I want to go, go ahead, brother. I'm, I'm sorry, brother Marty. Just one more thing to interject. You know, uh-huh. let, let's let's talk about Ezekiel. That this was a heavy call upon him. Remember when yeah. you read chapter three, the Lord warned him, "Hey, if you don't say exactly the way I told you, their blood is going to be on your hands." Lord help. So th- this wasn't easy. This wasn't an easy call. We tremble. Yeah. Not just saying things and and just for the sake of shock value, no. Mm. You know, there's a responsibility that we have to say things. Not you think we want to be doing podcasts and seem like man, we're always talking about the end of the world and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, gloom and doom. You think this is right. easy? No, it has to be done by permission and by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's time to mm. say something. We we can't yeah. stay quiet. We, we we have to declare these things, and and I know when when you declare, I understand what comes. With, well, maybe I don't know the the magnitude, but I feel it. Yeah. I feel the attacks of the enemy. I know you feel it. We feel it. You know, because when you say things like that, you're exposing what you know the lies of the enemy. But it's a heavy call. Number one, before God. Yeah, that's what we worry about. It's it's we yeah. fear God, and I you know. So Ezekiel wasn't just blabbering things, man. It once you know these things and you stay quiet, once you know these things, you can't stay quiet and you can't be look, right now the line has been drawn. You can't be in the middle anymore. Mm-mm. You're either his or you're not. You either believe his word or you don't. So uh, you know, and you're right, it requires the, the Holy Spirit. That that's an incredible thing where you're saying because as you said you know when you, when the lord begins to show you things like this in the word uh for me you know it's always first and foremost oh god you know have be merciful to me a sinner because <laughs> i'm like mm-hmm. man right you know 
I, I, first and foremost, I look at myself, and then I realize that yeah, what he's revealing is the is is, is the whole. Remember what it said? He, I, he was taken by visions of God. He was allowed to see things the way God sees them, the way they truly are. You know, and like you said, that was, I can't even imagine the burden on Brother Ezekiel. I, I just, I can't imagine. And then to have God tell you, like you said, Brother Jeremy, uh, you know, if you don't tell him, I'm going to require their blood at your hand. My Lord. <laughs> so you cannot but speak. Right, what the what the word says, and 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 uh, you know, we just leave it out there for for whoever's listening and whoever will listen in the future. Uh, we'll let you determine whether what we're saying uh, is actually true or not. But we're gonna say what Jeremiah said, and that's that. Look, you can have your dreams, your visions, your impressions of the spirit, but we're gonna anchor ourselves to what the prophets told us. This is in direct uh, obedience to the command of the apostle Peter in Second Peter chapter three, who said, "Look." You know, I charge you and stir your, up your pure minds by way of a remembrance that you be mindful of the words that were, and commandments that were spoken by the holy apostles and, and the holy prophets. And specifically to the generation that was witnessing the signs of the times coming to pass in their very generation. It was always only going to be a remnant. It was always only going to be a few. Because many are called, Jesus said, but few are the chosen. Why are they chosen? They're chosen because they, they responded to what they heard, and they believed it, and it was counted unto them for righteousness, like Father Abraham, uh, what is said of him. And so everything we've talked about has brought us to this, and we're going to close with this. We, 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 I know the Spirit of the Lord had us doing what we were doing, but we'll close with, with the hole in the wall, <laughs> and, and, we'll, and we'll dig into the ancients tomorrow, because that's where he's going to next. Again, this is a systematic case that God is laying out before the prophet and, and, and the progression of the removing of his glory from his house. First, we need to understand what they were really like, these ancients. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 11 and 12? Because Jeremiah reveals what the condition of these people were. It says, For both prophet and priest are profane, yeah, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Wherefore, their way shall be unto them as slippery ways in the darkness. They shall be driven on and fall therein. For, all, for I will bring evil upon them, even the year of their visitation, saith the Lord. A determined time. It's very powerful what Jeremiah revealed there, because even then he was already uh, you know, prophesying to them that that the year was at hand, that it was coming. There, there, there's there's a definite conclusion to this, and he says, "I found this in my house." And 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 then where it says in verse twelve that they will be driven on by the things that they do in the darkness. He's talking about a compulsion that would come over them because they persisted in their sins, and they wouldn't be able to resist. Uh, the things that they had given themselves over to the very elite of the elite tomorrow we'll we'll explore the ancients but let's just let's just read uh and conclude with this scripture in ezekiel chapter um verse seven could you read verse seven to us as we close brother jeremy and he brought me to the door of the court and when i looked behold a hole in the wall a hole in the wall 
And so the very first thing, as he's directing his attention now to the 70 elders of Israel, the ancients, and we'll talk about them tomorrow, because they not only represented the, the, the leadership, but they represented, uh, they were representatives of the entire nation of the world. I mean, the entire nation as a whole, and they, and they have their origins back in, in Exodus uh, 24.1. You can look it up later, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Numbers, uh, uh, I think it's Numbers 11, uh, verse 16 and verse 24 and 25, where God appointed the 70 elders. They were meant to be the heads of the tribes, the noble, the most, uh, you know, the, they, they represent. And when God looked at them, he looked at the whole country. And here's a deep spiritual component here because we're talking about the connection between minister and those that are ministered to. And and it's it, and we won't get into it at, at length today. Tomorrow we'll discuss it. But but why it's so important? Who it is that you follow? Who it is that you study behind? Who it is that you allow yourself to be exposed to? Uh, and what quality of word they're preaching or not preaching? It matters. Because the spiritual component to it, and God help us all, help everybody who dares to open their mouth and talk about Scripture, that we need to ask God to cleanse us, to keep us, even when we share our testimony with somebody, man, I mean, you know, there's a spiritual river that's flowing. So it either has clear crystal water of eternal life in it, or it has, you know, uh, you know a mixture. And that mixture affects everything. And so when his attention is drawn toward the spiritual leadership, the 70 elders, the ancients, the first thing that God shows him, and this is where we'll get to tomorrow, is, is that there's a hole in the wall uh, of, of the door of the court, which is the northern part of the temple complex. And what the wall is meant to symbolize, really, and we'll discuss this more tomorrow, Lord willing, uh, it, it represents that barrier. It's a barrier. It's a protective shield from the outside forces, from the influences of, of demonic temptation, from the influences of, of the lower nature of our own flesh. That's that's what that wall represents. But but Ezekiel is shown a hole in the wall. And and what God was doing first and foremost was saying. Look, here's an opening, uh, and 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 that opening, <laughs> that opening uh, is an opening which they created themselves, the ancients, and it wasn't even that big. And as a matter of fact, uh, God had to show it to the prophet, or it wouldn't have been seen. But God could see it, and that's why He called it visions of God. Make no mistake about about it; you cannot hide anything from God. It's the most bizarre thing, you know, in, in, in the days when I've struggled in my life, I, I've, I've thrown myself on the mercy of God. And I said, and, and I prayed this way as the Holy Spirit moved me, I believe, in those days. I said, God, don't let me be like Adam, who went in his nakedness and hid in the bushes from the voice of the Lord that was walking in the garden back in the day. If I have to run to you naked as I am, I will run to you. I will not hide from you. Not that you could, right? <laughs> but, you know, run to him, saints of God. Run to him just as you are. Don't let the enemy take you to such a place where you run away from him. Even if you're struggling with something, even if you're failing at something, run to him and, and keep running to him. 
and keep laying hold of him because he will set you free. But if you don't, and, 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 and that's what we learn from this, what Ezekiel is having revealed to him, is the whole nation had become like this. There's a facade of a protective barrier. The, it, it, it surrounds the temple complex. But the truth of the matter is, is that there's, a, there's an opening there, an opening that wasn't sealed up. It was left open, but it wasn't seen, but God could see it. It has to be discerned, and Ezekiel was allowed to see it. And, and, and what they let in, uh, we'll talk about tomorrow. But but what does it first represent to us, right? It, it, it's an opening. And we have to ask that question, is there an opening in our wall? <laughs> you know, uh, if so, we better close it up. Because what, what Brother Jeremy just read in Jeremiah chapter 23 was what God was revealing was that that opening in the wall for the prophets and the priests that were profane in the house of God in the darkness was something that was allowed to to allow the demonic presence of of this this gross idolatry and and other things that we'll talk about tomorrow which filtered into the that opening and drove them to the point where they were beyond not after you know a day or two but a continual habitual practice to an eventual giving over of themselves to this. And this frightens me more than anything that you could stand in, in such a place, not only as, as an elder in the house of God, but just as a regular person who claims to be part of the church of the living God, that it's possible to, to, to still yet abide within the, in, in the context of, of what you call religion or Christianity or spirituality within the house of God completely driven and overtaken and have absolutely no conviction of the Holy Spirit for your behavior. Because that, is, in essence, is what was happening here. He shows him the hole, and, and then he's going to dig into it. And that's what he does. He digs into it. What does that represent? We'll talk about it tomorrow. What God was saying was the time to expose has come. And Ezekiel, you're going to have to make the hole bigger. <laughs> And God's going to reveal to his true servants out there that the real men of God, which we're praying will emerge at this time, somewhere along the way. God help us. Because that wall and that hole is going to be dug into by the presence of God. And, and what is really taking place, it's already happening. You know, it's been happening for years. It's been being exposed. But it's going to be to such an extent that it's greater. And in essence, what has happened, the dividing line that Brother Jeremy was talking about, which has removed a remnant of God from the scene, if you will, into a, into a captivity of the spirit, if you have ears to see, hear, and eyes to see, uh, is in essence uh, taking you aback so that you can truly understand why we've reached this point and what the inevitable conclusion is as the gavel comes down on the final days of the history of this planet, Jesus is coming soon. There's a little bit yet to go, but we need to have our eyes open. Shows him a hole. It became the entry point. All the devil needs is a tiny opening, brother, <laughs> sister. I'm an expert at knowing that, trust me. Uh, but we better be careful. 
and and God help us all. That's all I can say. And and what and this is the second thing that that the prophet's getting ready to see, and we'll dig into it tomorrow. Uh, and, and we'll and 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 we pray that uh, that you'll return and and, and continue with us as we, as we explore uh, the visions of Ezekiel. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, anything else? We'll pick it up from here tomorrow. Amen. Behold, a hole in the wall. We'll be, uh, like Brother Marty said, we'll be uh, coming back tomorrow, Lord willing, and begin to uh, glean to see what that is meant to represent and probably go into verse 8 too. So I'm looking forward to it. I pray you are too. I pray you've been blessed today. I pray that you've been challenged today and and that God will continue to enlighten us to give us a better understanding of what is in his word. We pray God bless you. May the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.